Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company revolutionising the way we look at having a night out with friends. They make sophisticated, non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink and love yourself the next day too. Stay high in spirits, keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today I'm in the Zoom room with Sarah from Canberra. Sarah was a participant in the October 21 challenge and I've been dying to get you on since literally since our first one-on-one, I was like, I really love this person and (laughs) she's just got such a great presence and I just knew you were going to have a lot to share. So yes, Sarah, how are you going? I'm great, thanks. And I'm really glad to be here. So thanks for inviting me and I'm really glad to be here. Thanks. Yay. So your journey with alcohol is a really different one. And that's the other reason I wanted to get you on here because you didn't start drinking at 12 or 8, 10 or even 15, like a lot of other people that I've had on the on the podcast, you started drinking quite a bit later. So yeah, could you tell us a bit about your story and your journey with alcohol? Yeah, well, I, I certainly was aware of alcohol when I was sort of in my teens, but Canberra was very strict in the underage drinking rules in the 80s and the 90s. And my best friend got busted buying, ironically, a beer for her boyfriend and a lemonade for herself. And she got busted underage drinking. And uh, my dad's a lawyer and I was just terrified of getting caught underage drinking. So I didn't drink. And then I sort of even when I went to uni, I was working so much and I just, I'd had, I worked in hospitality and we, you know, I, I would drink after a shift, I guess, but not, not often and not a lot. I didn't really start drinking until I hit my late 20s when I went to, to work and I worked full time and I would come home every night and 
I guess sort of that's when the kind of after work, five o'clock, have a wine kicked in. Um, mm. And it really picked up really after I had children at 36. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really hit my straps at 40, I guess you could say. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 50 now. So I really sort of, I guess I drank heavily from my mid 30s onwards. But I, I certainly drank before that, but not, not to the extent that I was drinking in my late 30s and 40s. Everyone, we're all moving to Canberra <laughs> and we're going to put the fear of God into our kids. <laughs> I think it was just my compliant sort of side of family life and being a teenager. I just, I wasn't that rebellious teenager. I was sort of just got on with things. I really liked working. I had a job, you know, I just, it just wasn't a thing for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a thing for me. It was a thing for other kids. There was girls at school. I know that in year 10 and 11 and 12 at school, I know a couple of girls that had to have their stomach pumped, you know, um, and that was a big thing at school. They had their stomach pumped at the bus interchange because they'd had so much grog and, Whoa. like, I know that what was happening. Yeah, but it just was not just – and my friends weren't into it either, so it wasn't – it's not that – don't get me wrong, it was present, but it just wasn't – I know the podcast, I know people say I started drinking. My parents bought me cruises at 13. That certainly wasn't the case with – with me at all it was not until way later in life that I, I got into it yeah well and so would you say alcohol became a coping mechanism with with you alcohol became a coping mechanism for you to relieve stress no not in the early days like in my late 20s early 30s it was sort of just like I was working in quite dynamic roles in Sydney and it was just sort of like everyone had drinks after work it was more a fun thing really it wasn't a stress thing Mm -hmm. because I wasn't really that stressed I was single and partying and you know it wasn't a stress thing at all it was just a a habit habit. almost this is what you did after work you had a a drink after work it was sort of just ingrained in my psyche that that's what everyone did when they finished work you had a drink you know so so it wasn't a stress reliever though later oh definitely with the kids yeah Mm. I had my children at 36 I had twins and it was just the mundane as I, I came from really dynamic work environments and to be on maternity leave for two years, I was just, you know, it was mundane, it was repetitive, it was the same old thing every day, it was hard work with two toddlers, you know, it wasn't what I was used to. I didn't love it, to be honest. I found it really, really mm. difficult. I was isolated. So, yeah, it was it was more then a, a get me through the day kind of situation, but not drinking during the day, but get me to five o'clock and let's hit it at five o'clock kind of thing yeah. then. I think that happens a lot with mothers and with some that I talk to that they're so caught up in that that role of being mother that they feel so disconnected from themselves. Really unspoken to be able to to say I didn't enjoy, I mean, I actually really remember the day I said to my husband, when the children are about three, I said to him, I'm just starting to enjoy it now. I'm just starting to enjoy it now. I can't say those having identical twins at, you know, 36, I didn't enjoy it for the first two years. And that sounds really harsh, but it was just really, really hard work and it was really, really difficult and it was hard on everything. It was hard on my marriage. It was hard on us financially. I didn't work. It was just hard on everything. And I had one, we had a, the thing that got me through was just the most fabulous mother's group that I had in Sydney. Um, And it was a group of, so the baby bonus uh, increased in July, 2006. They increased, sorry, they increased the baby bonus in June. um, And in July, um, sorry, I'll start that again. 
The baby bonus doubled in July 2006 and my children were due on the 27th of June and my husband was like, can you just hang on for, <laughs> for another week and we'll get like an extra six grand? And I was like, no. Nah. <laughs> so the, I had my children at the end of June and the mother's group in June was very, very small. There was only like nine of us because the mother's group in July was massive. There was like 30 because everyone held on in July. So it was a really tight little mother's group and I clapped eyes on this girl and the moment I saw her I was just like you are just the girl for me and we were just tight friends and she she her son was born on the same day as my children and we just became the closest buddies and she and me were big drinkers and she got she would come over and we would drink a lot and she was my drinking buddy and she got me through those couple of years um yeah so that was amazing friendship and um yeah, but she was my drinking, she was a drinking buddy at that time, you know. How has that friendship sort of fared now that you don't drink? Well, uh, she committed suicide on oh. the, on Melbourne Cup Day two years ago. So oh, terrible, so terrible. So, I know, really awful. <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable. She was the most incredible, dynamic, smart, amazing woman. And she just got with this guy who was really into drugs. And uh, we sort of had drifted apart because she was with this guy that she was doing a lot of drugs and I never did any drugs. My drug was alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, and I lived in Canberra then and she was in Sydney, so I wasn't seeing her as much. We still holidayed together. Like we went to Hong Kong together. We just were the closest friends. And she killed herself um, unbelievably and left three gorgeous little boys without a mother. And I thought about, I think about her a lot now because <laughs> she would hate me. She would hate, <laughs> she'd be like, where, get, oh, piss off this alcohol-free bullshit, you know. She would be the only person that would give me a hard time about it and she'd be like, come on, get, get on the booze, let's get on the booze. But, yeah, she would, she would. Could not she would hate the new me, <laughs> oh. and and I think about her a lot because I sort of think I sometimes I think oh thank God, I mean maybe you know she's she's not here and 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 I'm able to do this because she's not here because I know mm. that she would give me a super hard time. She's mm. the only person that I would let that would influence me to come up you know get back onto the dark side but mm -hmm. yeah I think mm -hmm. about her all the time with me on this journey and how I'm turning a different corner and she's not here to you know do that with me yeah. so really sad it is really really sad and I, I really appreciate the fact that you are acknowledging how sometimes we just don't enjoy motherhood like it's it's actually quite a really common thing well, yeah, it was really hard for me in the sense that I was 36 and all of my girlfriends, and I'm talking all of them, were on IVF. Every single girl I knew that I worked with was on IVF. Wow. And every month they were bawling their eyes out because they got their period. And my husband and I, you know, he wanted to have children before we were married. And I said, well, I just want to get married. And we've been together for a couple of years and, he said, "All right, well, let's go off the pill because you'll fall pregnant really quickly. Because every and you'll, be, I mean, you sorry, let's come off the pill. You're going to probably have to go on IVF with everyone else because you're 36. And we fell pregnant really like the first time we had sex off the pill, we got pregnant, and I was devastated, 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 and oh. I couldn't tell anyone. I couldn't say I'm I can't believe it. I'm pregnant. I'm devastated." because everyone else was devastated that they weren't pregnant. So it was sort of a really difficult 
mm. time for me to manage because I was in a great job that I loved. You know, we just bought a house in Sydney. Like everything was just, and I just just wasn't ready to get pregnant at that point in time. And it just happened. And so, you know, yeah, and it was, so it is, yeah, motherhood's a chore and it's hard and, oh, my God, I hated going to the park and being on the suite. Like I just, there's so many bits about it that I've, and I, I was seeing a therapist at the time saying, I'm, well, I'm supposed to be enjoying this and I'm not. And she's like, don't, you're not supposed to be enjoying it. You're an adult. You don't like the swings because you don't like the swings. You're not a kid. And I was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. You know, so he helped me out a bit to understand that but when the boys got older and then going to school and obviously it's far more I found it far more enjoyable as they got older and they're 15 now so it's completely different but you know yeah those initial years were very difficult for me yeah I think a lot of people will really resonate with that and really appreciate the fact that you just shared that and in saying that thing about being on the swings at the park a really good friend of mine, her name's Susanna Espy. She's an amazing musician and she wrote a whole album based on motherhood. <laughs> right. And one of the songs, I think it's called Another Day in the Park, and she's talking about that. She is the most magnificent human and the most magnificent singer, so really worth listening to her album. This whole album just about motherhood and, fuck, it's really like, whoa, and just like listening to that. It was really it was just amazing, but you got to hear that song. I'm pretty sure it's called Another Day in the Park. I'll yeah. put it in the show notes, but far out, it's it's awesome. So, yeah. Okay, so talk, talk to me about then where it went with you. Where did the alcohol, how bad did it get for you? Um, so we moved back to Canberra when I was 40. The boys started primary school um, and I had suffered pretty heavy burnout, I think. I was completely exhausted from doing it all. I was back at work. I went back to work when the boys were two and I was in a really high profile job and I was working 60 hours a week. And like, this is how it was so full on. We'd have a nanny come over at six o'clock in the morning. Me and my husband would both drive to work. We worked at different places, obviously. And she would then drive the boys to daycare at 7.30 where they'd go to daycare. And then they'd be in daycare all day and I'd leave work at five o'clock and pick them up. And then I'd come home and get them fed and bathed and always in a hurry, get them fed, get them processed, you know, get them fed, get them bathed, get them in their jammies because it was that was like an hour, hour and a half. And then the boys would go to bed and I'd sit on the emails for two or three hours a night. And I did that for three or four years and I thought that was normal and it was just so wrong on every level, so bad. Like someone just should have got me and slapped me and said, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. And I was travelling a lot you know, with work both interstate and overseas and I loved the travel because I was like away from everyone and Mm. I was, you know, work travel is really amazing. I loved it because I was flying to New York and um, Hong Kong and I was flying business class and I was staying in really nice hotels and all my meals were paid for and, every, you know, it was like a little mini break. Like, Mm. I loved the travel but it was really hard on all of us and it was my husband and I were both in really big jobs and it was just like oh my god the boys are sick well I took last week off I can't take this week you know I took day off on Wednesday and so Mm. it was just so heightened the whole time that when we moved to Canberra my husband um, got a scholarship to do his master's executive master's and we said let's just go and um, we got back here and it was just like, oh, my God, the volume on life just went from 10 to 1. You know, we just, it was just a delight to be back in Canberra. I got a really low-key part-time job that I really enjoyed, working three days a week, really, really low-key. 
um, it was just a different life. The boys went to school. They were super, super cute. It was really funny. Kindergarten, year one, year two, like super cute years, really great. Um, and I just sort of healed, I think, for a couple of years. I saw a really good therapist every couple of weeks here that I was working through a whole lot of things. And, um, yeah, but I was drinking every night then. It started to kick in, I think, drinking. So I was drinking wine, white wine, and I would drink, I'd crack a bottle at 5 o'clock because that was sort of my time to knock off, you know. Um, and when I got back, to, I got back into work full time and so five o'clock is my knockoff time and I would come home and crack a bottle of wine and get dinner on. I'd have a glass preparing dinner and then I'd probably have another glass preparing dinner and then I'd feed the boys and have a glass and they'd eat and then my husband would come home and I'd cook again or, or I'd cook, sit down with him and then I'd usually finish a bottle by then or he'd finish a bottle or have a beer or something and then nine times out of ten I'd crack another bottle and maybe get two glasses into a second bottle and then I'd just that'd be me done it'd be 8 30 and I'd be that that's my day I'd clean the kitchen and that was my time I would go to bed and that was it and so yeah that just that really coming home five o'clock bottle of wine under my belt every night and did that for sort of 10 solid years I guess um and Knew it wasn't good for me, you know, knew it wasn't good for me. Did So did Dry July many times, did it about, I've done it about 10 times now. I think the first time I did it was in 2009 or so. And every time I did it, I was like, oh, my God, it's so good, Dry July. <laughs> you feel amazing. And it was such a no-brainer every time I did it. Every time I, everyone was like, oh, you're doing Dry July. And I was like, I know, it's really great. And my husband was really supportive and, I just say every time I'm going to keep it up, it's so good, and I never did. You know, I went back to drinking in sort of August, September, and um, it just went out the window. And then I did October, and then I did Febfast, you know, so I was having a go all the time at sort of <laughs> stopping, like I was getting a red-hot go but just never carrying through and knew that started started to see, started to have anxiety attacks and started to have panic attacks in about two. About 2020, I had a really bad panic attack at a shopping centre <laughs> and I was like, this is not good. And mm. I had three pretty serious panic attacks and I started to see a psychologist then um, every week and I just, she was the first person that I sort of really said, oh, and by the way, I drink a bottle of wine a night. <laughs> and she was like, okay, right, all right, let's talk about that. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, I've never spoken about, you know, it was the first time I'd really said to anyone, anyone, oh, drinking a bottle of wine a night. It was like I was admitting for the first time with her, that psychologist, that that um, I, think, I think there's an issue here that I'm <laughs> drinking a bottle of wine a night. So... And that wasn't the reason I ran, I was dealing with her. I was dealing with her because I was having sort of panic attacks and anxiety and, you know, feeling really shit about myself. And guess what? It was all related to my alcohol consumption. So, <laughs> you know, we, we found that out many months down the track. But, yes, yeah, so I started working with her in April of 2021. 2021, sorry, started working with her. And, yeah, started to really start to get on top of why my drinking and thinking about it a lot. and so did dry July again in 2021 and felt really good about it, kicked in and kept it going till the end of September and then Canberra went into lockdown for the first time. First serious time we went into serious lockdown 
well, we'd been into lockdown the year before, but it was not as long as this lockdown and, and everyone was in lockdown. It was pretty serious. And I just had a couple of drinks, went back to drinking. And as everyone says in the podcast, I went straight back to, I thought I'll just have a glass a night for a couple of nights. And I went straight back to the bottle and then a bottle and a bit. And mm. then um, I was listening to, I'd, I'd found, I'd stumbled across your podcast in about January of 21. And I, I'd done, I'd tried to find podcasts or things that were, you know, but nothing resonated with me. I'd tried, you know, they were all about sort of different people on different, nothing resonated with me like when I when I stumbled across your podcast, you know, it was, you were Byron chick in your 40s and sort of like, okay. And so the first time I listened to it, I started from episode one or I think episode two or three when you talk to the living end guys and mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, if they can do it, mm-hmm. if, they, if they can do it, you know, and they talked about going, travelling through Europe on a tour and, right, you know, and I was like, right, if serious, if they can do it and how you started for a year and I was sort of like, well, okay, let's give this a bit of a go and, and that's when, yeah, I sort of started to get a bit serious about thinking, okay, I sort of really think, I went to my doctor actually and I had some really pretty funky blood tests and she was like, what's going on here? And I was like, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure. And, you know, so she said, you're turning 50 this year. you got a choice. You either go this way and she pointed up or she goes, you go this way and she pointed down and she said, you get to 50 and you either get fat and arthritic and unhealthy and diseased or you don't, and it's your choice. And I went, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And so to make that, to have that put in front of me like that was like, whoa, yeah, I am 50. I'm not 30. I'm not 40. I'm 50. And I still consider myself pretty dynamic and, you know, got a lot in me and I want to keep that up. So, yeah, I started your course on October 21 and haven't had any anything to drink since and it was just been I know it's just been amazing so here we are a couple of months I mean I feel like a newbie you know a couple of months later but it's just been the best thing I've ever done well we're coming on to almost six months later so yeah well Well, yeah yep still a long way to go but you know every I just I just I just I've got the triple three I still see my psychologist I see a naturopath once a month and I was doing the course and I still I'm in the graduates group um, every week and it's just uh, having that support the three levels of support all around me have just held me up for the last couple of months and it's been Mm. really 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 great Um, and I've, I've changed so much my health my anxiety, everything, it's just completely changed. And I've, got a lot, I've still got a way to go, you know, I'm still going, but, but I feel so much better about everything, everything, everything. Amazing. With your liver, with your liver tests and all the blood tests that you had done, like you were saying earlier that they've improved a lot. Yeah, out of sight. Um, I had my, I was just talking to my naturopath before I got on the phone to you and my liver has gone from, pretty much what you call severely inflamed liver numbers to now back completely normal and that's only in like six months so your liver my naturopath is saying completely regenerates and you know thank god for that Mm. (laughs) good liver unforgiving so yeah and all everything oh my god it's like when I sat down with my naturopath and she talked about 
how, because I said to her, I've recently given up alcohol and this is what I was drinking. And she just was like, okay, okay. And she was trying to be really calm about, okay, bottle of wine a night. Okay, yep, no worries. Okay, that's fine. At least it's not vodka. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, everything about it is so bad. And she sort of went through, why were you drinking alcohol? And I said, well, I was using it to sleep. I was knocking myself out every night. You know, and she was like, right, so you, but you're actually, you know, that alcohol gives you the worst sleep. You don't dream, you don't go through that REM sleep period. Mm-hmm. You actually change all the neural pathways in your brain. You're not absorbing vitamin B12. You're not absorbing vitamin D. You're not like all this list of litany of things that were just so bad for me. Everyone drinking that, that I think that once you, <laughs> if everyone had an appointment with this, with the naturopath and learn what they're actually doing to themselves with alcohol, it's very, um, to use the word sobering, <laughs> to say, wow, that's, I didn't realise it was so bad. So, wow. yeah. Brain it's just amazing. Wise. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. It does so much damage on so many levels, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. And to have that, that severely inflamed liver, it's no wonder you're having the panic attack. But not not just that. Every morning I would wake up with, Every morning I'd wake up and I'd be A, hungover. I'd have a shitty, dry, bottom of the birdcage kind of mouth. I'd be thirsty. I'd wake up thinking, okay, what did I do last night? What did I, okay, where did I hide the bottles? What did I, you know, and just that shame and that sort of anxiety every morning, every morning, the first half hour, hour of my day, was, oh, God, I hate myself so much, negative, negative talk, hating myself, mm. hating what I did every morning. Not to mention, now, I never drunk, I ne- we never, I never drunk drove. We always caught a lot of Ubers and mm-hmm. that, you know, but I always was in fear that I would get pulled over in the morning and be over the limit, you know, um, mm. never did, but I had that driving the kids to school, I'd have just severe anxiety about, oh, God, I hope I don't have some kind of accident, you know, and they breathalyse me and I'm over the limit. How would I explain that? So just to have that anxiety constantly there and for the last nine months not to have that is just unbelievably freeing. It's just like it's like a 40 kilo weight has been taken off my shoulders every morning. I don't think about yeah. any of that stuff. It's all gone. Yeah. I just get out of bed and I just go, okay, let's go. Let's go to school. Let's go. You know, or I take the dogs on a walk in the morning and, you know, I breathe in all the air and all the sunlight and oh, it's just different, different, different. Yeah. God, that was one of the main things. I remember just that same thing waking up all the time just like oh fuck you know that guilt and that shame in the morning and that was one of the main drivers for me that I didn't have to wake up and feel like that anymore and you know I still did sometimes it took months where I'd still wake up and have a bit of that and then I'd remember oh no you know and I have this sigh of relief of you know uh, you know how I said you guys in the challenge to wake up in the morning and start saying good things to yourself remember on my own journey just thinking to myself I want to start the second I wake up saying you know today's (laughs) gonna be a great day well done Danny and all the rest of it that was that was a really early on technique that I just thought because I was just so used to so um we get into this pattern of waking up and just dumping on ourselves so it's so good to not have that 
to have that dumping on yourself for an hour every morning, first thing in the morning, it's just so shitty for your psyche, you know. Mm, And I remember on the challenge there was a couple of people in the group that had dreams that they were drinking. Do you remember that? And they were like, oh, my God, I woke up and it was all a dream and I was so relieved, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So to have that every morning just to wake up and not have all those shitty thoughts because I made the choice last night not to drink and I went to bed and it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it's the best thing, especially when you're doing that work on yourself too and it sort of mm. just makes it even better. Funny you say that because quite a few people in the recent challenge group, they've started to have the funny dreams or the dreams where they're waking up or drinking alcohol or whatever and then they're waking up in the morning and they're oh, my God, that relief that they didn't drink. <laughs> they've been sharing those on the group so you'd be used to that. So funny, it's so funny. Yeah. So yeah. One, of the, one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on today as well was to talk about the issues that you had with sleep because that was one thing that you were really struggling with was that sleep and because you were using alcohol as a crutch to sleep there was this problem that yeah when you weren't drinking you were hardly having any sleep at the start of the challenge and became this thing that the whole group was almost when you had that first night of eight hours sleep I swear we all just had tears of joy I remember jumping up and down in my kitchen (laughs) saying to Ash she had a full night's sleep I know Yeah, well, it went for weeks. It went for weeks and weeks and it was really bad and I just could not sleep at all and I was up all night or I'd sleep for an hour and then I'd be up at 11 midnight till 4 in the morning every night and I just could not sleep. And I was, I had been, um, when I'd done dry July previously, I'd sort of taken a couple of sleeping sleeping pill, you know, so maybe a half or a full temazepam and, the naturopath said that's just as bad. <laughs> so get those out of your cupboard as well. So I chucked those out. Yeah. So <laughs> that was gone. And I just, you talk about white knuckling it. I just had to white knuckle it for a couple of seriously weeks. It was really, really hard. And during that time, I developed really bad restless leg syndrome, which is a disorder that you get when you um, they have a constant urge to move your legs and mm. it's unbelievably debilita- debilitating and really bad. And I had that right up until the end of December, actually, and I went to the doctor and finally got some prescription medication to get rid of that. But interestingly enough, that is a dopamine disorder and, mm. it yes, it's all to do with dopamine release and I mean, dopamine... Legs. Yes. That's interesting. Right. So so yeah, hopefully my restless leg and but it will come it will calm down over time apparently. So yeah, it was bad. But yeah, I think really one of the first breakthroughs for me with my sleep was one the Wednesday night phone call. We did a sleep challenge with Sam not challenge, a sleep exercise with Sam Brown. Sam and Brown. Mm. Oh my God. I did not I was quite I'll be honest, a bit, well, I've been breathing all my life for 50 years and what's this going to do, you know, in, out, in, out, you know, (laughs) in, out, hold for three. But it was just amazing. I slept like a baby all night that night and it wasn't the first first time I'd slept in sort of three weeks and, you know, made it and that breath work I've kept up a little bit and there was a couple of sessions that you did that I keep finding, having to scroll back to the Facebook page and find the session that you did to, and it puts me to sleep every night so mm. I'm still working with that but need to need to do more of it because it's so good it's just unbelievable you know that your breath 
I'd love that. And that's why, because of that, we ended up building into the new challenges, Sam Brown actually doing a five-day course for the breath oh, stuff brilliant. in it. Yeah. And there's still one, it's on the grads group as well, and I yeah. still listen to them. I still do. There's one particular one that I just do overnight time, takes about 10 minutes, and I sleep so well, so much so that it stuffs with me because I miss my sunrise because I usually get up so early and I'm only sleeping till like 6.30. So the sun's up. I'm like, oh, my God, no. But, yeah, she she's brilliant, Sam. And she actually has another breath course starting up in March, I think, which is open to the general oh, public. Yeah, look, oh. fantastic. But I remember that first night. And I, yeah. I think you, you didn't go to sleeping eight hours every night after that either, but it was just that one night of yeah. reprieve that was like there's light at the end oh. of this tunnel. And even now I still have some bad nights, but... Every night I get through without a drink or a pill is a good night as far as I'm concerned. And I know that I've had a sh- if I have a shitty night one night, I know the next night it's going to be, I'm going to power through, you know. So it, it just gets better and better. So it was a real, it was really awful, but I knew that it was going to come good. And you kept saying, come on, hang in there, it'll be fine. I was yeah. like, I know. But I knew that having a drink would not solve anything. I'd be straight back to where I was so I just yeah held on and gripped and got through it but yeah it's much much better now but yeah I'll tell you what it was just amazing like how you did just hang on and there was a few times there I remember saying to Lyndall fuck I hope we don't lose her because <laughs> it's fucking horrible like, let's face it when you don't sleep and you're only sleeping a couple of hours a night it's like being back in having oh. two twin babies probably <laughs> like you know awful. yeah oh, awful. it's just it, it's just oh, it's like torture no sleep so you did so well just incredible yeah, I remember listening to an early podcast. You were talking to your husband, Ash, and I, I follow the Ash Grunewald School of Sobriety, which is I just decided on that 1st of October there was not a drop of alcohol was going to touch my lips at all, and that was it. So there was no, even when our, even when it entered my head for a split second, it was gone. Like it was just like not, not even, don't even entertain it. It was not even, it wasn't even a thought that I wouldn't get through it and I wouldn't get through the end of the course at all it wasn't even a thought it wasn't not it was just there was no way it was not going to happen it was just going to happen all the time so I just, I just had to do what I had to do to keep going yeah you that's know. awesome I love that once you just decide you know <laughs> you gotta just decide and decide that that's it I'm not doing it and there is no alcohol passing these lips no matter what and if you can have that kind of that grit even if you say that oh, I'm going to do that for the first three months, because I think the first three months is the hardest and there's different things you go through. The first year is by far the hardest and then it gets so much easier once you turn that corner. But first three months is tough. Yeah, well, I, I mean, we talk about it a lot in the challenge and it was really amazing. Everyone had different um, experiences and some people had people saying, come on, just have one drink and, you know, people really pressuring them to drink. And I just never, ever had that. There was no one in my life that ever said that my girlfriend, Kyla, who died, would be the only one that would have said that to me. <laughs> but I, I went through, so the first function I had was a Melbourne Cup day. So Melbourne Cup was in the thick of it and I wasn't drinking. And a couple of the girls at work just said, oh, you're not drinking. And and one of the girls said, oh, you did dry July, because I knew I'd done dry July. And I said, yeah, I did dry July. And I just kept going. And they were like, oh, good for you. And so no one ever pressured me in that way at all. It was always, and honestly, if I tried, I just, you know, it's not something that I would have buckled to anyway. So I don't think anyone tried it on. But 
yeah, it just was nothing. And even then the next big work thing for me was the Christmas party at work and we talked a lot about this in the challenge because everyone at my work just got absolutely shit-faced at the Christmas party. Like, can I <laughs> just I was... say that your share with that, when you shared with the Facebook group about you, you did this long detailed thing about how the <laughs> night went and we are all just reading, we all loved it. It was just like. You should be a writer. It was so well oh. written, but we were all just there with you. It's amazing. Oh. Well, yeah, it talk was about so, that. Well, it was just really typical. We turned up, you know, I work for quite a high-profile company in Canberra and I've got a lot of senior people around me and it was pretty senior and we turned up to one of Canberra's best restaurants and it was an all, you know, no expense spared kind of Christmas party and I got there and everyone was on the cocktails and I really wanted a cocktail. I I really wanted one and I was like, I really could go a cocktail and I, I was just like, but there's no way, there's no way, so don't even entertain it. And I was like, I have a mocktail, you know, and and everyone was, I was watching everyone because I was hypersensitive to what was going on and everyone just was downing drinks really fast. That first hour, I reckon people had three or four drinks straight up and we sat down to dinner and then the wine started flowing and everyone was starting to get pretty pissy and then they brought out shots you know, shots of vodka, shots of tequila, just like watching. And then everyone was just absolutely hammered by about 9.30 and, you know, like the receptionist was crying and like (laughs) (laughs) one of my senior managers was talking to me, he had his arms behind his head and the waiter came up behind him with a tray full of beers and he just put his arms down and he just knocked a whole tray of beers all over himself, like a whole tray of beers. And he just was absolutely covered. It was like out of the movies. He was just dripping with beer and he was wiping it off his eyes and he was going, it's okay, it's okay. I was just going, oh, my God, you just dropped beer all over you. So it just got really, really messy and I was just so glad to drive home, you know, and... Wow. Yeah, I just remember thinking, is that what I was like? Was I that pissed with everyone? It was just revolting, to be honest. It was really, it was embarrassing. The people, way people were behaving were just not themselves and, you know, not what I knew of these highly professional individuals. <laughs> and, yeah, it was a real eye-opener. It was terrifying. It's so amazing <laughs> when you're on the other side of it and it's not even in a judgmental way but just as an eye-opener just to go, wow, that's how... I would have been behaving and that's how much people change when they, you know, get really, really pissed. Yeah, because a lot of people on the challenge too talked about, you know, being the life of the party and going out. I'm not a going out kind of person. I'm a stay at home. I, You know, my best nights is when my husband takes the kids camping away for the night and I get to stay at home and drink a bottle of wine and watch a couple of movies. You know, that's my kind of best night ever. So a lot of people too had the challenges of, oh, what if people think I'm boring and, you know, that kind of thing. But I just did not have that. I just was a, I'm a stay at home, drink a nice bottle of wine person. And I think I just didn't have that going out thing. I mean, I remember one of the girls on the challenge talked about so funny. I remember it so funny. She talked about smuggling in um, heaps normals into the, (laughs) into the pub because they didn't serve them and she got sprung you know, with none. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Alcoholics, and she was like, you know, oh, I'm in trouble for drinking. Like, you know, and it's the same thing. I still. I smuggle non-alcoholics into pubs, like if we go out to dinner, because they just, a lot of restaurants still don't serve anything. They serve non-alcoholic beer, but they don't serve non-alcoholic wine yet. And I was never one to be a replacement drinker. Like when they, I used to read, you know, when I was trying, I guess, to give up years ago, they'd be like, just put a little bit of lemon and a little umbrella in you and then you'll feel like you're having a cocktail and it'll be just fine. I was like, fuck that, you know, <laughs> no way. So I never replaced my alcohol with anything until I did the challenge and there was a couple of really good replacement drinks that I just realised I would drink, like when I was preparing food, I was drinking, you know, a lot and to re- I, had, I just really replaced that with that non-alcoholic wine um, and that really helped me too. And I was drinking as much non-alcoholic wine. I remember going to the bottle shop and the guy at the bottle shop was like, hey, love, you're spending more now than you were on your dinner when you were drinking. <laughs> because ironically, right, the only place you can get non-alcoholic wine is at the bottle shop, right? Bullshit. So, oh, you can get it at Coles now, I think. They've introduced McGuigan or something. But, yeah, I, 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 feel really strongly about sort of having a replacement is is just is what I needed and I've reduced my non-alcoholic drinks now but when I was first giving up I really really needed to feel like I was drink and I was drinking a bottle and a half of non-alcoholic wine every night you know but but this was what got me through you know yeah, which is fine. If that's what gets you through, that's what gets you through. Like, you you know, there's been a few people on this podcast who that was what they used to get through. And then some of them have weaned right off that as well. Yeah. And they'll just have the occasional one. But I think it's fine. Like some people get their, their being their bonnet about it. But I think if you can differentiate and it doesn't trigger you, I think if it triggers you for sure, obviously don't do it. But then I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's not like Ash says, you know, he loves his elk free beers and he was actually talking to someone at the supermarket about earlier they got talking about heaps normals and i said yeah but he's like you just have to differentiate that it is that you love beer you just don't like beer with alcohol in it anymore like he's flicked the switch in his mind so and it works you know it works for him and it's worked for heaps of people so i think good on you and um, well, well, I guess for me, I still come home at the end of every day at five o'clock and crack a bottle. It's just non-alcoholic, and I'm going through those rituals of cooking dinner and having a drink, but it's non-alcoholic, you know. Yes. And it's really, it really did help me get through. Particular, and I am weaning off them myself now. What six months in? But it really did help me get through those first couple of months of of that enormous fifteen year habit of mm-hmm. drinking while you're cooking. Yeah. you know, to, to not drink alcoholic. So, yeah, I still smuggle in non-alcs into, into like if you go to the 
pub because there's nothing there you know and I remember going up to one a bar in Canberra and said oh do you have anything non-alcoholic and the barman literally told me he just like what he goes yeah we've got lemonade or lemon squash and I just felt like saying how get fucked you know like honestly (laughs) it's the fastest growing category of beverages in Australia by millions of yeah. you know dollars a week kind of thing it's, it's so true going through the roof and get on board and i'll spend my money with you you know what i mean like yeah i think it's good to support me. it yeah. yeah totally totally so yeah, that's yeah. Right. and if anyone's unsure about what wines to drink there's one lady she's been on this podcast before amy from dry but wet on instagram and she was always like trying different new wines alcohol-free wines and alcohol-free sparkling all of them and she reviews them so she's a great yeah. person for people listening to this podcast, just putting it out to follow her because if that's your bag, um, yeah, it's a really good thing to follow. They are they are really hit and miss. Some are awful, you know. Uh, some, some are awful. Yeah, some oh. are revolting. So yeah, we are so lucky that there's so many options now that it doesn't have to be boring. Another thing I'd say is. I think it was Greg from yeah, it was Greg, the booze free dad, suggested calling ahead to bars and restaurants or wherever you're going to see what options they have. And if they don't have many good options, just give them a nudge. Say, hey, come on, you know, and it is the fastest growing industry. So, you know, yeah, um, yes, shape it, shake it up, guys, and get into some free options. Get on board. Tell me what else, what else really worked for you in the challenge? What didn't? I think we had a session one Sunday night where you talked about, being present and being mm-hmm. in the moment and not always thinking about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, actually being present. And the next day or the next week sometime, oh, no, it was a week later, I was picking up my son from cricket and the the pod, the the um, meeting was at 6 o'clock, I think, on a Sunday night and it was like four to six and we were still playing cricket and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to miss miss my meeting and miss the challenge and I was really getting worked up about it a lot and he was then, they sort of finished cricket and they were putting nets on the pitch or whatever they do. I was just like, hurry up, you know, and and then I just read over my diet, my journal that I had with me at the time and it had talked about being present and and. The, com- the way the conversation would have gone would have been, you know, why did you take so long and now I'm late and I'm really shitty with you and I would have really gotten angry at him for something that was entirely not his fault and it would have been a completely shitty trip home and I would have been angry, I would have stomped in the house and got online and gone, sorry, I'm late. And nah, nah, nah. But as it was, I just re- totally reframed it and just took myself out of that and thought this is this, he can't help this is not his fault and so he got in the car and he was like hi mum and I was like hi darling how'd you go and he goes oh you're yeah, really good we did a really good game and he goes oh we just had to put the nets on at the end I said oh that's fine yep yeah, yeah, that's good and it just changed everything it just changed everything because he then we had a really pleasant conversation home and you know we got home and I think I was five minutes late for the meeting no one even noticed you know <laughs> 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 I was so hung up on it mm. and yet and then I so I shared this really beautiful moment with my son instead of being really shitty with him for something that he mm. couldn't help it wasn't his you know like things like that that we did in the course that I still come back to all the time you know mm. and I keep referring back to my journal and my notes and you know I took a lot of notes I take a lot of notes and 
I'm not big on the journaling, but I'm big on the note taking and I read back on my notes from a lot of, you know, certain things and it's that's really important they're really important to me, those those notes and um the learning that I took away from from that course. I love that you took notes and you actually did the stuff because this is you can do the challenge, mm. you can sign up for the challenge, but if you don't turn up or if you don't at least watch the replays and actually do the things and What's the point? <laughs> There's no, no point. point. And I think on that note too, giving up drinking is something that has to come from within yourself. It yeah. can't come from anyone else saying to you, you've got to give up. It can't come from anyone else. It just has to come from you. And I think yeah. the people that struggled on the challenge weren't ready to give it up yet, yeah. you know, and that was mm. in them. No fault of theirs. They just weren't ready. I think I was really, and there was a couple of girls on that course and a, and a guy that were ready, really ready to give up. And, and they were the ones that pulled, come through and are in the graduates group and are still, you know, not drinking. It's like anything, you know, you get out of it what you put, get out of it what you put in. And yeah. Um, yeah. I just thought, I just was really moved by the stories of all the people in the course were mm-hmm. really, really heartbreaking, to be honest, and really mm. unbelievably. It was just so sad at how mm. this alcohol had just destroyed, and it was predominantly women, you know, that were reaching mm. out for help. And I was just feel so proud to be a part. I'm getting all emotional, but so mm. proud to be a part of a group that really held each other up and looked after mm. each other. Like everyone talked about their biggest fears and their shittiest nights and, you know, really mm. bad stuff. And everyone just held each other and said yep I understand I get that that's really you know and because there was just some really damaged people in that group you know and Mm. they were so brave and they're still so they're they're facing a lot more than I faced you know they had some some pretty full-on stories and I just thought bloody hell good on you you know that's amazing I'm so grateful to be here with you on this course you know to be you're just amazing, you know, yeah. and there were so many girls that I really felt, you know, the alcohol is just a massive lie and it's just a big marketing lie and we've been sold a fucking lemon and, you know, mm. we drink, you know, I was thinking about it the other day, you drink when you're happy, you drink when you're sad, you drink when you celebrate, you drink when you commiserate, you drink to pick yourself up, you drink to wind down, you drink every every aspect of life and I think that's thing one thing that I noticed on when I was doing the challenge in dry July on the tv alcohol was just everywhere on the mm-hmm. tv every everywhere and everywhere every show everywhere and it, it was so jarring yeah. to see it so when you look at it from a different lens to see, oh, my God, there's so much alcohol on TV and it's just so normalised. And, you know, I, I watched um, the reboot of Sex in the City and they're still smoking on Sex in the City. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's called and Just Like That. And it's like, oh, fuck's sake, really? Who smokes now? Yeah. But it's so jarring to see people smoking on screen and I feel that way about drinking as well. And... You know, there's a lot of high-profile people now that have really stepped up and sort of stepping out about being not drinking. And the re- most recent one was, you know, there's been there was a journalist that in about 2016. She was a newsreader on Channel Seven. She was really successful. She sort of came out and said she was 
drinking a couple of bottles, like she was drinking three or four bottles of wine a night and she wasn't holding it together. And James Matheson came out talking about um, alcohol. Oh, that's right. When Ash Barty had a beer after she won the Australian Open and Chrissy Swan, she's quite a high profile, you know, TV personality. She's sort of saying she's gave up alcohol a couple of months ago and she's Mm. never felt better. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think there's this real, I really, really think we're on the cusp of turning the corner, I think. And, you know, you and this podcast and this challenge and everything is at the start of it. And I think what you're doing is incredible because you're just helping people, helping, that's all you're doing is helping people get get off this insidious drug that we're all, you know, it makes me shudder. My kids are 15 and it makes me shudder to think, you know, they, yeah, talking about the way they even talk about alcohol, like oh, I'm going to scull a beer. It's like, oh, God, really, you know. <laughs> awful so yeah I think we're really on that cusp of turning it corner and making it pretty cool and groovy not to drink you know know. and it's so becoming that way like you're right like there's high profile people doing all, all just all sorts of different people and the more people that are coming out even even if they're just switching out you know some their full strength beers for some heaps on a night out instead you know I'm just trying to not not get so loose and to keep it more together and I think it's becoming I don't know just I don't know yeah. it's just much cooler and I want to not like say with the challenges too I don't want it to be just about quitting alcohol for me it's like trying to trying to share mm. with people um you know through my own journey as well like how we can arrest the the negative thought patterns because that was a huge one for me how to become more mindful and not you know we don't get it right all the time and um, mm. like I said, I lost my wig at my neighbour before. You know, we're still, <laughs> we still, know, you know, we don't get it right. Progress. Yeah, yeah we're, a, we're a work in progress and, and to be just to acknowledge that and to drop this shame that we have about ourselves. And, yeah, it's, it's a more holistic thing, like a whole body, soul, mind, spirit thing. So, yeah, thanks, Sarah. I just also wanted to put out that we've got the six-week challenge which is new I've always done three months but I know not everyone wants to do three months and also people were kind of wanting to jump on the Jan challenge but it sold out really quickly and yeah so it was like no one wanted to wait till July for another one so I thought we'll chuck spoke to Linda what do you reckon we'll try a six-weeker so anyway so the six-week one is there and it's ready for people to sign up I know it seems like ages away because it's in May but it comes around really quickly. So it's it will come around really spot. quickly. Yeah. And anyone that's thinking about it, six weeks of your life, it's absolutely nothing and it might just change your life. So highly recommend five stars, Danny Carr. <laughs> but um, I'll pay later. But um, <laughs> the, the other thing too, if, if people are feeling like that's too short, we will cram a lot in in that time, but then they can go on and join the graduates group and they get to hang out with awesome people like you, Sarah. Yes, the graduates <laughs> group. We're doing we've got, and book club. Don't forget yeah. book club the book every club month, and the which grad is group. really great. It's awesome. Um, a month, we're already into our second month of book club and, you know, again, it comes around really quickly and it's really, really helpful to be with a bunch of people that are doing the same thing as you and getting the same things out of it. It really, really it is very, very helpful. So recommend. I know it's really good. Lyndall runs the grads group and she also runs the book club. <laughs> she's, and she, she's a classic man. She's awesome. And, and I jump on there occasionally as well and say good day and 
put my mug in there. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's great. well, you know what blew me away about the course was that I just, when I signed up, I thought, oh, this Danny chick, she'll be there. You know, she'll just say, hello, everyone, welcome to the course. And then we won't probably see her again and she'll palm it all out. And oh, you really? were there. Oh, that's what I thought. Yeah, really, mm. I did. And it really surprised me that you were so incredibly involved with not only really? every Friday every and every Wednesday but every day posting on Facebook, every comment someone would write, you'd be like, yeah, 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 you were really into it, which is really great. Yeah, I just thought you wouldn't be as into it as you were but you really, really were, which shows you're just so committed to helping people and you do it because you love it and you do it to help people and it's really great. So, Oh, maybe I'll you. slack off a bit in the next slot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was what you expected, but oh, I turned it up. <laughs> I know, no. I just, I was talking to, look, talking to Lyndall just the other day, you know, when she was in taking one of the Wednesday groups, I was like, oh, oh Lyndall, we haven't, what's your story? Tell me about you. And because I know you lived in New York and what did you do over there? And I mean, her story's just incredible, you know, and amazing. she's so generous with what she gives to us. And she, she's amazing too. You know, everyone's, we just got so much to learn from each other you know oh, she is and everyone's so gentle. yeah she's great she um she messaged me she always messages me after the grads calls and will tell me how it was and she's like oh Danny I am so in love with this grads group <laughs> she's like I love them I love them all like she just she's so into it she loves it yeah. Really oh, well, I was, I had my first call last week and I was, I was, I just, I zoomed in and I was late and I was on the car and the phone and my zoom wasn't working. It was all messed. And I was just listening to everyone and everyone was talking and I listened for about 20, 40, 40 minutes, maybe talking about, and then Lyndall goes, and hang on, we've got Sarah on the line. And I was like, yeah, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I didn't want to say hi. I didn't want to interrupt anyone, but yeah, hi. And she was like, how have you been? And I was like, yeah, good. It's, oh gosh, I've missed everyone. And so it was really fun to, you know, be back and talking to her, you know, to everyone again. And it was, it was hilarious actually. So yeah. It's so good. good to have that connection. I'm sure they would have missed you too, because you were the crier in the group. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, yeah, you the worst, I mean, it's just ridiculous, really. But that letter to goodbye letter to alcohol thing oh, that you made. It, oh, well, it was just ridiculous. I just blubbered through it, you know. <laughs> I just, beautiful. yeah, I just, it was ridiculously. I get my, I'm very close to tearing up all the time a lot. And, mm. you know, yeah, I felt really emotional about that and everything that had happened mm. so yeah I know I was the crier <laughs> I loved it I love it I love a good so, crier yeah. what strikes me is that you know literally for 10 years I was waking up every morning feeling like shit I was going for a walk in the morning feeling like shit I was having breakfast you know then having to have a, like a lasagna or hot chips for lunch or something mm-hmm. and then getting to sort of three o'clock and thinking okay well I'll get home and I'll have some wine you know like it just was just so ingrained and so repetitive and just to not feel like shit for the last nine months mm. <laughs> has, been, has just been unreal like I feel so good and it's because I'm not hung over every morning and I'm not <sighs> You know, like it's sort of, I know it's a no-brainer, but it's just, it's just such, it's just such a habit that we just is ingrained and we keep doing it. And so many times and people just go, oh, I felt like shit and, but I've got to get better the next day and then I'm on it again. You know, it's night after night of doing the same thing over and over again. 
you get the same result, you know. You feel like shit day after day. Yeah. Do you think it becomes the normal? Like you sort of kind of normalise waking up feeling like shit, feeling fatigued, a bit under par. Well, it was my normal for 10 Mm -hmm. years. It was my normal. So, yeah, it definitely was my normal. And that's why every morning for the last nine months I've woken up going, oh, my God, this is so good. I bloody love it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because the reality of the normal is that it sucks and it's in your hands to change it, to change your normal, Mm -hmm. to not suck. And that's what you're helping everyone doing is to change their normal to not suck and just, you know, it's much better. It's much better, people, <laughs> being being on this side of normal than the other side of normal, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously life has changed for the better for you. What's been the greatest thing for you that you feel you wouldn't have experienced as fully if you were still drinking? Oh, definitely um, being available for my kids. So I used to have, I used to feel, I mean, sort of a year ago when I was drinking and the boys would have cricket training until like 8 o'clock at night or 8.30, I'd be like, oh, my God, 8.30 at night, I've got to pick them up from where across town. Oh, my God. And I would just be outraged that cricket training would go for so long or football training or something because it meant that I couldn't have a drink until I got them home. And I resented that so much. I resented them and I resented going out and picking them up after. In fact, I'll never forget it. I was driving home. I just dropped them off at cricket training or something and I was listening to the podcast and I was just banging for a wine because I was so angry. I was just so pissed off. And the podcast. <laughs> You're listening to my was- podcast. Thank yeah. <laughs> yep. And one of the, I can't even remember which one it was, but someone said, and so what is it going to help if you have a bottle of wine? What's it going to change if you have a bottle of wine tonight? If you pull into that drive through and get a bottle of wine and knock it back, how are you going to feel tomorrow morning? What's it going to change? And I was just like, yep. And so I kept driving. And that was a massive moment for me to just think, yep, I've just got to keep going. And get through this and yeah being more present for my kids you know they work now they both work at takeaway restaurants and I picked one up at 9 30 last night and just went out and got him and you know I wouldn't have been able to to do that a year ago because I would have been a bottle under and I couldn't drink couldn't drive so you know being or my husband might be still working he'll be going can you go and pick up the boys from and I'll be like yeah no worries I'll take the you know and off I go it's just a no-brainer that that definitely has been a massive game changer for me. Isn't it amazing how much joy you can get out of just being able to be available to pick your own kids up, just to be a sensible adult that can actually go and do these things. functioning, sensible adult. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, it's it's a no-brainer, but it's, again, another thing that I've just gone, wow, I used to really resent this and now I really enjoy the time because we get out and, you know, they're both starting work and it's like, how was your job? Oh, my God, it was so cool and I did this and this and this customer came in and we have these really funny conversations and it's really beautiful. I just think I wouldn't have had that if I'd been drinking and had gone to bed by now, you know. See, that's just one massive tick. Yeah, massive. (laughs) And that's just one thing. I know. And yeah, so we went to Tasmania recently. I think I mentioned it was really hard because we always go and lots of booze and lots of food and it was really difficult. And I was talking to my sister-in-law the other day and she said, but what, what would you have had a drink? And I said, no, no, I didn't, wouldn't drink. And she goes, yeah, because I guess now that you've done nine months and 
I mean, what would you drink for? What would you actually now drink for? And I was like, oh, nothing, really. Mm. She's like, what's so important that you would now drink for? Yeah, and it was like nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing important now enough for me to drink for, nothing. Yeah, it's amazing. And the good thing about that October group was that you guys were going into, like I said, there was Melbourne Cup Day. (laughs) There was all the work breakups. There was Christmas, like, fuck. And I was like, (laughs) how the hell am I going to pull this team (laughs) through Christmas? What was I thinking? And everyone smashed it. Pretty much everyone smashed it. It was great. It was great. Well, I was with my in-laws and, you know. um, That's enough to make you want to drink. No, they're really sorry, my in-laws. As far as in-laws goes, they're they're really great people. (laughs) They're really fun, Um, and we were staying at a house all together, you know. So we were there for a couple of days, and I just was on the non-alks, and no one knew, you know, and no one cared. Mm. And I wouldn't, if anyone had asked, I would have said, "Oh yeah, this is non-alcoholic." Or, and my husband had a laugh. He said, "God, people must think Jesus Sarah can really smash the wine." She's still standing. Two hours, three hours later, she's, you know, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like, but I wasn't ashamed of it. If anyone had asked, I would have said, oh, yeah, this is not alcoholic. I've just, you know, done dry, the maligne. I've done dry July and I felt so good. I just kept going. But no one asked. So I just kept, I just was like, okay, well, I'll just keep drinking what I'm drinking. And, you know, people would say, do you want to drink, do you want a glass of this? And I'd be like, oh, no, I've got mine in the fridge. I'll just go and get it, you know. So I got through Christmas. Christmas was easy, really easy. It was no problem. But I was very keen to catch up with everyone at the end of Christmas, catch up with the challenge group to see how everyone else went, you know, and it was really, really important to chat with everyone after that Christmas to to talk to them about how everyone went, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because it was big big for some people, you know, and it was really, really stressful and it was really difficult for some people more than others, you know. Yeah, especially like, there's nothing like Christmas to get your triggers going, like with family and stress <laughs> and financial stuff. And oh my god, if yeah. it, like in-laws, if anything's going to make you want to drink, it's uh, that time totally. of year. So it was just amazing. You guys were just all so amazing. It's was yeah, just incredible. Well, it was that. It was the group that got me through those. Every time I really felt like a drinker, I just couldn't face the group. I just couldn't face the group the next week saying, oh, yeah, not that anyone did and not that anyone I don't think would have cared, but I just couldn't say to the group, I had a drink last week or I, you know, we all said, I'm sure we all said, oh, my God, I was banging for a wine, you know, like we all <laughs> talked about how, and you would always be come back to, Okay, okay, okay. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. What were you thinking? What were you? What were you feeling? Let's sit with it. What were you thinking? What were you? And I still do that now today. I still, I was really hung up about something the other day, and I was like, oh God, I could smash a wine. And I just was like, no, no. What am I thinking? What am I thinking? Mm-hmm. What am I feeling? What do I? Why do I want to go there now? You know, and breaking it down and thinking about it. It's still really. I still do that a lot. You know, mm-hmm. and it's really a great thing to have in your toolkit you know to just Mm -hmm. go what what am I thinking about and I know everyone else you really use that to get them through as well Christmas yeah 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 it's a good gift it's a good thing to be able to tap in to yourself enough to actually rather than just react what am I actually feeling what's going on for me and what is it that I really do need is it do I need some kind of comfort do I need to relieve my stress what is actually going on for me and what's what's happening with me emotionally, I guess, right now is that, that I'm feeling rejected or am I feeling insecure? Where does that come from? You know, just to be really curious about it all and 
rather than yeah. shaming on ourselves or I shouldn't be feeling like that or fuck this, I want to get away from it, glug, 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 glug. Well, or, I mean, you we talked about really on, uh, sorry, we talked really early on in the group about you saying all you're doing is numbing your feelings. That's all you're doing is numbing it. You're numbing it till tomorrow or the next mm-hmm. day or you're just mm-hmm. numbing it. And it was like, yeah, that really resonated with me too. It was like, I, yeah, okay, I am. What am I numbing out? What am I numbing out? And yeah. why, you know? So yes, once you sort of get the answers to those questions and, you know, I, I, I credit me getting through those first several months with the great therapist that I spoke to every week about it and, yeah. She was so great for me and I remember at the end of like the year when we had a bit of a break and I said, oh, my God, you know, it's been nearly six months or, you know, since I did the October and she went, oh, my God, I am so good at my job. Yeah, good on you. Good on you, Gigi, for being so good at your job as my therapist. The way she said it was like, I'm going to pat myself on the back. I'm so good. (laughs) That is the first time a therapist has ever said that to me. It was so funny. So having that ring of support around me really got me through the first couple of difficult months. I think so. It's so good to be buoyed up by you know, multiple different sources. And I love it if someone's on the challenge and they're also getting therapy. And I do often suggest to people to get some therapy because it really helps to see a trauma therapist. Okay. Not everyone, but I would say most people that have got a problem relationship with alcohol, not the people that those that have one or two, (laughs) (laughs) they're fine. They're not listening to this anyway. But, um, I know. I've got a really good friend joking. of mine. Yeah, she has a glass of wine a night and puts the bottle of wine back in the fridge and it lasts her all. And I'm just like, what the, how the, how are you what? friends you know? with that person? I mean, come on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> good on you. You know, I wish I could do that. You know? mm. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Someone so asked me the other day, would you have just one? Because someone said to me, surely you've done enough work on yourself now that you could just have one. And I'm like, but maybe so. I don't know. For one, I'm not going to risk it. And for two, I I don't even want it. Like there's nothing in it. I reckon that the smell is repulsive to me because I'm, you know, four years down the track too. I I think I've programmed myself enough too to just think, ugh, and just what the fuck for? You know, I just I have no desire. Yeah, I don't either now. I just don't. I just don't Mm. have any desire. And But that's taken a good couple of months to get there, you know, like a a lot of work and, but I know, I know like my sister smoked and she gave up smoking and she talked about, well, I talked about once with her and she said smoking, she, she just, it would do anything to be able to smoke again. She loved it so much and she would smoke at any, yeah, she just, I'm like, really? And even now you'd keep going back to smoking? She's like, yeah, I loved it. I love it. Oh, yeah. I know. I used to smoke a lot too. Like, like I used to smoke like I was someone out of the 1930s when they still thought it was good for you. (laughs) And um, I I couldn't even think, I can't even comprehend putting that shit in my body. Oh my God, no. I know. I just want to say it is really hard. It's not mm-hmm. something that's easy to do. It is really, really hard. And that's why a lot of people don't do it because it's really, really hard. And mm-hmm. that's what I think about the rest of the people in the challenge was like we're all doing something really, really hard here. Let's just give ourselves a moment to go, hey, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. And Fucking it's not. Nice. There are, yeah, there are a lot of people that 
have serious alcohol problems and we tackled it and it wasn't easy. So, you know, I'm really proud of the group and all of us for doing it because it's, yeah, it's bloody hard work. You're right. And it's not easy. Like a lot of people might think I'm going to sign up to this thing and it's just going to be super easy. It's really not. Um, but you sort of, you're learning so much along the way, you're growing, you're expanding. And we hope that when you finish it, you feel pretty transformed but it's not that it's not easy. It's not like all unicorns and rainbows, like no. you say, but it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It's totally worth it. Like anything so- that if you don't go through the stress, if you don't go through some kind of stress or, you know, some kind of challenge, you don't kind of grow from it. It's like when you go to the gym and you have to keep working your muscles and you're actually tearing them and then they repair and then they grow a bit more. It's the same thing for us emotionally. It's exactly the same thing. You know, you've got to kind of do the hard yards. You've got to do the hard yakka to grow a little bit more and you grow a little bit more. It takes Absolutely. Work. Yeah, it does. It does. And everyone's got their own story and their own challenges and their own mm. reasons why they're, they're in this situation and they're using alcohol to numb it or to to what it, to heal it, whatever to do, but it's not doing anything except making it worse, really. It really yeah. does not do anything but make things worse. And yeah. if you can be better, if you can give it, give it away, well, I've found the last nine months to give it away, it's been far better off without it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you just keep on growing, you know, you have you just keep on growing. That's what happens as you keep going on this path. The thing I wanted to say too before we finish up, when we're talking about the alcohol-free drinks, when we go out, like so I'll go out with my, I'll take the Monday distilleries normally with me, the, the G&Ts or the Aperit Spritz, and Ash takes his heaps or, or whatever he's drinking. But for us it's become a real, like we take and we show people and we give people a try and it becomes a real uh, like a talking point when we go somewhere which or if people come over to our place it's really cool and most people are like they're getting really interested and they're not scoffing like people are giving it a try or yeah give us a taste and yeah well it happened my sister-in-law came over for lunch the other day and um we'd normally have a bottle of champagne or something and I said I'm drinking I've got some really beautiful tonic so really expensive you know seven dollar tonic <laughs> But I'm mixing it with this liars, and it tastes like a camp. Like it's beautiful, it's delicious. It's, do you want to try? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And her daughter was driving on her L's, so she's like, you sure it's got no alcohol? I'm like, I'm really, really positive. <laughs> like, yeah. And we yeah. had that. So yeah, introducing other people to non-alcoholic options too. It's it's a community service we're doing here. You know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it truly is amazing. So Sarah, before we go, tell me what's the great night in for you now? Oh, well, I do all the things that I'm supposed to do. A great night in is um, dinner with the kids and the family, cleaning the kitchen, uh, me going to bed, reading a book. I do two books. I've got two books on the go at any time because I'm in the graduates book club, which is every month. So yay, which is really good. So I'm reading one therapy book. And one other book a night. Mm. So I give half hour of each and I read and I'm in bed by sort of nine, ten o'clock and then I'm asleep by sort of 10.30 and I dream and my neural pathways are repairing and I have <laughs> a great night's sleep and I wake up and feel amazing and take the dogs for a walk in the morning and start work. That's a really great night for me, you know. Yeah. Amazing. Where before <laughs> it was like a bottle of wine and the kid's gone, gone camping. Yeah, it's just amazing how that can change. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, 
It's a form of self-abuse, right, writing yourself off every night. It's just a massive form of self-abuse and yeah. to not be abusing myself and be kind to myself and doing something nice is a much better way to live your life. Yeah, it's it's funny how we have to learn to be nice to ourselves and learn to be kind to ourselves. Crazy. Isn't it? And really sad that it's something that we have to work so hard on. Yeah. So what would you say to your 36, 37-year-old self that was really starting to turn the corner and, you know, get a pretty seriously not nice relationship with alcohol? Yeah. um, It doesn't help anything. It doesn't help anything. You're thinking it help. You think it's helping. You think it's a reward. You think it's you deserve it. You think all these things about alcohol, God, I deserve it, I've had a rough day with the kids or God, I need it, I need to relax or God, I whatever. You just don't and you're much better off without it basically and yeah. and go and buy yourself a Porsche with all the money that you'll save from not drinking. <laughs> Except you've got to spend it all on alcohol-free ones. <laughs> I was just so unhappy and I, I was just so unhappy is, is that's all I can say <laughs> and mm. I didn't know it at the time. Because I was just doing, I was just getting through every day. But mm-hmm. it's, yeah, not You're happier good. now. Yeah, much, much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on and sharing your story with us. Hope yep. it was all right. Not too many fucks. <laughs> never, if never, never enough. <laughs> we love an F bomb. You know that. <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> All right, well, you're gorgeous. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. many of us feel stuck and unsure of how to make positive changes in life. Journaling is a proven way of keeping yourself on track and creating lasting change. The How I Quit Alcohol Playbook will take you through 365 days of gratitude, daily affirmation and loads of techniques to help you stay on track and head towards a clearer future. Head to the show notes or iquitalcohol.com.au to grab yourself a copy today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.